was going to say, I should have given them like my choices for, for walk-up music, but I don't know how Skillet would have done in this group or not. I don't know. Um, so, uh, yeah, after, I always think to myself, sometimes when we're looking at the categories of, of like little subtitles in your Bible that tell you what you're about to read, when it says a warning about prejudice or judgment or something like that, you're like, woo, fun times, right? You know, um, but... This was really an eye-opener for me, and I hope that you guys can just kind of follow along with me and just let the Holy Spirit work on you as we're reading through this section of Scripture. So we're in James 2 and 1 through 13, and it is, in my Bible, it says a warning against prejudice. Yours might have a little bit of a different subtitle. I'm teaching out of the NLT today. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the whole chunk And then we're going to go through it bit by bit. And then that way you have the flow of what we're we're in. So my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't that discriminate, discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So that's pretty straightforward, I think, right? But I want, before we get into the verses, let's use that, that word, a warning against prejudice. Let's think, first of all, what are we talking about when we're talking about prejudice? So we might think it's exactly the same as judgment, as judging somebody. But judgment, used correctly, would be making a considered decision, right? Making it on real information, making it on real experience. God provides judgment, right? Because he knows the whole story. But prejudice is a preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. And I want to qualify that a little bit. Prejudice is not necessarily based on actual experience with the person with whom you are showing prejudicial treatment. And we'll get into that as we go. So have that in your mind, the difference between God's judgment 
in a human prejudice. So that first, that first scripture, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in your glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Now, we are always praying for God's favor. So that's a little different, right? When we're praying for God's favor over something because we know he's not going to give us favor in something that doesn't align with his will. Us, on the other hand, we might show favor, partiality, favoritism. One of the uh, translations uses the word snobbery, which is not something you hear every day, but I thought that was kind of cool. An unfair bias in favor of one thing or person compared with another, or a a feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities, qualities, or achievements. Now, that doesn't say that those abilities, qualities, or achievements are godly ones. It's something that you might perhaps have um, a desire for, and then you see somebody else that actually has that thing. And they're using wealth as the example because that's very easy to understand. And that was a a problem that they had in the synagogues, right? Where wealthy people that would come in were receiving preferential treatment over the poor people that came in. And we studied that in Mark some when we had the, the widow's offering that she brought and how some people didn't think it was very much. You know, they had a preconceived notion in that. An overgenerous preferential treatment. So in the second verse, James says, for example, now because he's using for example, I want you to, to have in your mind, he's just giving us one example. He's not saying the only thing in which we might be showing preferential treatment or prejudice is rich or poor. So that second verse, that second set there from two to four. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Now, I don't always do Greek lessons like Pastor Bob, but in this particular case, I was looking at that phrase, sit on the floor. And more specifically, in the Greek, it's translated, sit under my footstool. Now, what is that when you think about that phrase, sit under my footstool? Does that give you a little feeling that there might be the sin of pride that's playing in here? Elevating our opinion of ourselves over others, elevating our opinion of our opinion of others. Telling somebody, not just sit on the floor, you can sit under my footstool. I'm gonna show you um, some pictures. And I want you guys, as we go through these, to remember again, when James is talking about this, it's not just rich or poor. That's easy pickings, right? In this world, seeing how rich and poor are not always treated the same, that's easy. And also in today's world, we can see very easily we can make that extension of how prejudice also plays out in the, in the idea of race, right? 
Um, and so because those things are before us every day on TV and they're very, very well-known tensions in the world of prejudice, we tend to be very sensitive to those situations, right? Those are ones we recognize right off the bat. But might we have some prejudices that we are not even aware of? An unintentional bias. And unintentional means, you know, you're not out there looking to have a problem with somebody or show favoritism over one to the other. It's unintentional. You may not be even aware that it exists. So when we look through these pictures, I want you to know, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand or anything like that. I want you to know what your initial reaction is. So we're going to show the first ones. Okay, initial reaction. Just think about in your mind, you see these two young guys, they're both smiling, but do you have, do you have a, a feeling about one over the other? Right? Just note that initial reaction. That's an unintentional bias if you really had any reaction, positive or negative, over the other. Let's look at this next set. Does your reaction tie into an experience you've had with someone else? So maybe, you know, somebody reminds you of his grand your grandpa, or maybe he's the crunchy neighbor, you know, he reminds you of that. And because of an, exp an experience you've had with somebody else, you've lumped this person into a category, just like rich or poor, right? You've lumped them into a category because of an experience that you have had with somebody else. Let me ask you, how would, your, how would you rate your personal level of experience in comparison to God's level of experience? Right? Because that's who we're trying, you know, that's what God's trying to teach us, is that our level of experience is this. If we live a full and hearty lifetime, our experience level is this compared to the Lord. And how can you hope to address having an unintentional bias if you don't even know it exists? All right, let's look at the next one. Do you make judgments based on faulty assumptions? You see somebody and then you immediately assume about that person because of either a physical characteristic or um, what, they're, what clothes they're wearing. Not even, we're not even talking like fancy clothes or dirty clothes, just any clothes. I remember, <laughs> I remember teaching and wearing pants that had tears in them because it was hard to find jeans that didn't have tears in them and having a lot of issues with people about those tears in the jeans, like to the point of saying, do we need to buy you some jeans that don't have tears in them, right? So, yeah. And it wasn't like I was trying to be cool or anything. It was like, they were on sale at Old Navy, so that's what I bought. So, uh, let's do the next, the next one. All right. Do you ever build a narrative around your prejudice to justify it? Right? You see somebody, you know, 
I don't even know how to say, you see somebody wearing something or saying they're gonna vote for somebody or proudly doing, yeah. And then all of a sudden you build a narrative, a huge story around what that person must be like before you've ever really talked to that person or really know anything about them. You don't know them individually, but you build this narrative to justify how you feel. And then this last one. Because I can't, I can't end up something negative. It's got to be something cute. So, uh, I mean, if, what's the cutest? They're just adorable, right? But a lot of people are either cat people or dog people, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm 100% a dog person, but I've had cats that I've loved, right? And that was one of those things where if we gave people the same kind of grace that we give animals, like, you know what I mean? It would be a very different tension that we were living with in the world. Okay, so that can, the cutie pies can come down. So because we're human, right, we know we're human, we talk about that all the time, so we've got an uphill battle all the way. So we're human, we tend to judge others. Does that also make us more apt to believe that others are judging us? because we judge somebody else, do we think that others are judging us as well? That can really elevate the tension in any situation if you feel you are being judged. So if we had it in our hearts that the goal is always not to show a prejudice based on any, anything, right? If it's always that in our heart and we felt that those around us were in that same space, I feel like there would be so many, so much fewer misunderstandings, right? Because people would look um, to, start, to start in that right place, not to start with a preconceived notion about the person that they're interacting with. So we're going to move into verse 5 here. We're in our little next section, five to, 5 to 7. And I love that James is trying to be gentle, right? He's always, dear brothers and sisters, right? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love them, him, those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? And I was thinking about, we see all throughout the Bible where, we, where um, scripture talks about those who have humility, are in humble in spirit, the poor, whether or not it's, it's poor in spirit or poor in dollars, poor in bank account. And so thinking about that, in my study, uh, Ellicott's commentary had a, a phrasing that I really liked. The poor of this world are his chosen, not merely for their poverty, although it may have been the air, so to speak, in which the virtues which endeared them to him have flourished most. So their poverty helped those virtues flourish because there wasn't all of the distraction of everything else. That is such an interesting thing to think about. Um, that poverty helping 
to godly virtues to flourish. Yes, indeed, he moves on into eight. Yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal laws found in the scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. So first, we want to look at that word royal, that royal law. What does that even mean? So it's royal because who gave that law? Right, exactly. So that's easy one. But royal also because this particular law is an elevated character piece, right, that they're working on. It is a good and godly law. So the Lord gave it, so we know it's going to be good and godly. So, and it's, but it's not just giving a random law. It is an elevated character trait to be able to love your neighbor as yourself. And the precedent for this is set all the way back in the Old Testament. It's not like when Jesus came, everything changed, right? God set this precedent back in Leviticus 19.15. Do not twist justice and legal matters by favoring the poor or being partial to the rich and powerful. Always judge people fairly. And again, we're looking at that word judge as opposed to having a prejudice. Judge is when you've got the information. You know, only God has all the information. Sometimes in our legal system, right, a judge has to make a judgment, but he's getting information. And that's different than having a prejudice that's not based on anything real. In a practical sense, we may understand how prejudice hurts the person that we're showing a judgment against, right? An unfair judgment against. But does it hurt us? How might it hurt us? What do we miss out on because we close our minds to all the possibilities that God presents and we choose who is and who isn't worthy? So, for example, who might miss out on Jesus because of their prejudice against Christians? And that's a totally legit thing. And that's one of those where you're like, well, I can't do anything about the fact that they have prejudice against Christians. Yes, we can. Because when we are making ourselves more like Jesus, right, we're, we're trying to emulate what he is, has taught us, and we are not judging, and somebody sees that, we're modeling that behavior, it happens in the reverse, right? That catches somebody's attention. Because most people probably don't even think about what their unintentional biases are. They're looking at what the biases that the world are telling you, pay attention to this, pay attention to this, pay attention to this, and that's all they're looking for, because they're just trying to keep themselves out of trouble, right? It's not something that is like in their heart. And when, we're, when we are striving to be what God wants us to be, right? You know, he loves us, we have salvation, but our love for him makes us want to meet that mark that he is telling us to have, to not judge others. Or what do we invite into our lives because of faulty ideas on the flip side, right? So when you're judging, you might show favoritism to one and non-preferential treatment to others. So what do we invite into our lives based on faulty ideas that wreak havoc? in our lives. 
And for the ladies that are in the, the Nehemiah study, it's the whole idea of what, who is the Ammonite or what is the Ammonite that we are allowing into the temple? That was part of our study. Um, and it's just a good visual of allowing something into the temple, which is us, that is wreaking havoc and going against God's law. So I asked on social media for people to give me some examples of how they might have judged unfairly and could have missed out on something very important in their life. So I'm going to give an example. I'm not going to use any names, right? So uh, though it's on social media, so it's probably not that big a secret. But we have one couple that went on a blind date, and um, she said he acted like such a dope and told me so many bad stories of what he'd done. I walked away and told our friend that had set us up, I'm okay if I never see him again. That was just over 18 years ago. They're married, right? <laughs> so yeah, I love that, right? Um, there was a, another one that uh, I had a few people, but this one stuck with me very well, uh, very much as well, where a mother whose daughter was getting serious about a guy and she had a lot of feelings about this. She was worried and judged him without knowing him because he already had kids and hadn't been out of his relationship for very long. She goes, but it, very shortly, it became apparent that I had been wrong in my assessment. Almost eight years of marriage later, I continue to see how great he is for my daughter and what a terrific dad he is to my grandson and my step-grands. So this is a situation where those snap judgments based on something maybe that happened to us with somebody else, uh, but not on the, the person. The person is new to us and we're making a prejudicial assessment of them, either based on nothing or based on something else that has nothing to do with them, really could have been um, just a loss for that person, a loss for that situation. James continues into 10. For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, you must not commit adultery, also said, you must not murder. So if you murder someone, but you do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. There's a reference in... Um, in a commentary by Bengal that says, he, meaning God, is the one who gave the whole law. Therefore, they who violate his will, because the law is his will, otherwise he wouldn't be giving it to us, right? Who violate his will in one point, violate it in all. The law and its author alike have complete unity. That's a, that's a tough thing to think about. Complete unity. Where do we ever see other, in the, other than God and in the word of God, where do we ever see complete unity? And we end up with these last few scriptures. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others but if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So it's easy to do what we're supposed to when people are watching us, right? When the world tells you, 
you can't, you know, you can't be prejudicial in this way. And you're like, oh, note to self, if I show anything in this, this way, people are going to catch that, right? So I'm going to be careful in this particular avenue of prejudice. But I don't have to worry about these other because nobody else cares, right? That's not going to be good enough because it's not the world, right, that we're trying to impress here. We're trying to follow God's law. We're trying to have unity with God's will. And trying to just get yourself under the radar to stay out of trouble, that's not the goal. In Matthew 6, 1 through 4, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This applies to so many things, right? It applies to giving and generosity for sure, but it applies to this situation of prejudice. It applies to anything that we struggle with in the law of God. To just try to keep it together long enough to get through a Sunday service or a meeting with a friend, that's not the goal because that's not good for us. It hurts us. The goal is to really, really want to be in that place. But because we are human, will we ever hit that 100%? Probably not. So what do we do? What do we, how do we move forward from that point? So when I was praying about this, I asked the Holy Spirit this exact thing. So I'm going to go over what I feel like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share. And then when we close in prayer, we're going to pray over that exact thing. So we're going to repent for those we've judged in the past. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit when we pray in a moment, highlight somebody that I have misjudged in the past, that I have shown prejudice to in the past. Maybe you showed it initially and now you're, you're seeing that you called it wrong, but you're too embarrassed to let them know that you called it wrong, right? Has anybody ever let regret just tear them apart? and make them miss the opportunity to reconcile a relationship or even to pursue a friendship or relationship because you judged somebody in a snap and then you're, you're embarrassed, you're too embarrassed to backpedal from that. So ask the Holy Spirit, is there somebody? Like I know there's a litany of people when I think about that. So don't even try to tell me you don't have anybody. There's gotta be at least one in there. Ask the Holy Spirit to highlight someone you may be in that process with now that you have been having a prejudice against now, that you've been judging them unfairly. And then ask the Holy Spirit, do you need to do something in either of those cases? Because sometimes you just need to repent of that and sometimes there's an action. One of the things we know from James is that we're to be doers of the word. So sometimes it's not enough just to be sorrowful. Sometimes that repentance requires an action on your part. And the Holy Spirit will let you know if that's the case. It's not me to tell you that, it's the Holy Spirit to tell you that.
And then let's commit to recognizing when we're starting to go down that road. One of the things I love that Jackie does in Led by the Spirit, she does a, an exercise where she talks about snapping out of it. And it's like when you have unkind thoughts about, about something, there's a rubber band and you snap it to snap yourself out of it. That is actually works really well because you realize how often you have unkind thoughts about other people, right? You might think, I never that way. And then after today, Go through the rest of your day, and I would be shocked if you guys weren't like, gosh, bless, I do that a lot. Because it's just something we don't necessarily think of. So commit to recognizing it when you're going down that road, and when it happens, instead of allowing yourself to continue down that road, ask the Holy Spirit to show you how God sees that person first. Not how you saw them, not what you think about them, How does God see them first? And to remember that they are God's child just like we are. And that our goal ultimately is that every person makes it to heaven, right? Whether or not we think they're good enough to be our friend or not, our goal is that everyone would know Jesus and that everyone would be in heaven rejoicing in the end. All right, so we're gonna close in prayer. Guys, be thinking about that, and then we'll go into communion right after that. So Lord, thank you so much for your heart for us, that you do not want to leave us in a broken and damaged state, in constant turmoil, that your love for us would mean that we would have love for others. So Lord, we just ask that you highlight to us right now any person that we have in the past or are now um, that we are judging, that we are showing a prejudice against. And if there is something that we need to do, something, Lord, that you would have us do as, a, as a, an action, not only to clear our heart and our soul, but as a, as a generous and kind action to the person we may have judged unfairly. So Lord, we just ask that you highlight that to us. And we ask that you would be the first voice that we hear anytime that we start to go down that road in the future. That you would remind us of this moment. That you would remind us that that person, no matter what we think, that they are your child and that you want them in heaven too. And that we are your hands, your feet, your spokespeople, and that our ability to put our own prejudices aside and to look at your heart for someone first, that is something that is unmistakable and is unusual and it is powerful beyond measure in this world. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we praise you for your Holy Spirit inside us to guide us every day. And we lift it all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So we are going to go into communion. Guys, this is just an opportunity to, to take communion, thank Jesus for what he has done, and to be able to just move forward, to know that you always have this fresh start to move forward with Jesus. So the way we do communion, you can um, go, we'll have uh, wine and crackers and um, 
gluten-free crackers and bread up front, and you just dip it in the wine, and, and you take it, and like I said, just, just with thankfulness. And if you would like to serve yourselves or your family or you would prefer not to have wine, we have a seltzer station at the back. But no matter what way you want to do it, give yourself a moment and then do it. It's so important. It's just a recommitment every single time. And thank you. <laughs>